0: Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today is Dr. Christy Williams-Dumas, who happens to be my link sister here in Charleston at the Charleston Institute, West Virginia chapter of the Links Incorporated. So we serve our community together, but she is also an entrepreneur, a business owner in the state. And we're going to learn about how someone like Christy can thrive as an entrepreneur in Appalachia. So welcome, Christy. Thank you. It's great to have you with us today. Um, So talk about yourself there. What Do you want the audience to know about you? Christy Williams-Dumas.
1: So I probably would want them to know that I'm a wife. I'm a mother. um, I am a creator. I'm a yogi. um, I am an entrepreneur, um, a business owner, and an activist. Someone who really um, holds dear the causes of social justice and also economic development um, hmm. in the black, not just in the black community, but in the community at large and particularly for underrepresented populations and sects of um, of our community. Awesome, that is awesome.
0: So talk about, have you always been a business owner? Talk about your career tra- uh, trajectory.
1: So no, in fact, I um, grew up with parents who, A father who migrated in the Dust Bowl from Oklahoma to California in search of, you know, work with his family. And I grew up with very traditional parents who believed that you had to have an eight to five or Mm -hmm. you just were not going Mm -hmm. to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, You needed to clock in in the morning, you need to (laughs) clock out at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and go home, go to sleep, and wake up and do that all over again. So, You know, entrepreneurial thinking was not pushed in in my house. And so I had a series of jobs from a a young teen. In fact, I joke and tell everyone that my first job was the mouse at Chuck E. Cheese, which it was. (laughs) Um, I started at 14 and a half and, um, you know, I worked a series of jobs. I went to college and you know, my mind was always conditioned to do the regular job. Um, and so I know entrepreneurship was not something that I even considered to any degree until I got married. Mm-hmm. And my husband is an entrepreneurial, uh, an entrepreneur. He is a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he came with that mindset. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, it was being around him long enough and watching his freedom to make his schedule and do as he pleases. Um, as I was getting up and rushing out to, to go to work and, and clock in and, and to clock out. And so um, there was a whole paradigm shift that happened um, later on in life. And so I started out as a mental health professional started working in group homes, probably at the age of 19 or 20, Um, did a stint at juvenile hall as a counselor and then decided there's got to be more to this. And Mm -hmm. so um, I did pursue a a master's degree in marriage and family therapy Mm -hmm. because I wanted to try to be part of the solution. By the time they're in juvenile hall, by the time they're in a group home, a lot of water has run under the bridge and a lot of damage has been done. So I really wanted to be part of the therapeutic process. Mm -hmm. We did clinical work as a clinical supervisor, as a clinical director for uh, major programs in Los Angeles. And uh, I also was a clinical director for a faith-based setting, uh, City of Refuge, Bishop Noel Jones. Um, At the time we had about about 25,000, 30,000 members and we had a counseling department. Um, and so I was the clinical director there. I, did, I worked um, for the church for probably about 10, 10 to 12 years mm-hmm. before I came here. And um, so I enjoyed that. And then I decided, okay, I'm probably over clinical work. And so I returned back to school and got a doctorate in uh, forensic psychology. Mm-hmm. And so I became a forensic psychologist uh, worked in the prison system to work for the federal government and then for a private practice there in Charleston and decided the entrep- the entrepreneurial bug hit again and mm-hmm. I said it's time for me to branch out on my own and so that's what I did so that has been sort of the trajectory it's just building upon um, education and experience to get me to this place.
0: So you went from California to West Virginia. So yes. what What precipitated federal, that move?
1: The federal government. I was actually recruited okay. by the gotcha. federal government. Um, I was working at the time for um, the state of California, and I was finishing up actually my internship for my doctorate. Mm-hmm. And the entire state was on a hiring freeze. Wow. I was uh, working for Chino State Pen which is the most number one most dangerous receiving uh, oh person in the nation and um at the end of the internship needed to make some decisions so it just so happened that I attended a law and psychology um conference in Vancouver, British Columbia and there was a recruiter from the federal government there And I told them a little bit about my background and what I was doing. And, you know, they were like, black woman, you know, you you fit our demographics, what we need. Um, We can get you in the Fed. And they knew about the hiring freezes um, (laughs) in my state. And they said, listen, if you will go somewhere where it is difficult for us to recruit, we can get you in in no time. And I said, really? Well, where would that be? West, Virginia. and i said where what <laughs> um and so that's how i ended up that's how i ended up okay. here
0: good 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 i'm sending and we're so glad you did <laughs> so you you think just by being around your husband you were inspired to become an entrepreneur a business owner so um So tell us about your business and and you you may have a couple of different businesses. So tell us about your business pursuits.
1: So the first business that um, we co-own is, um, and when I say co-own, co-own my husband and I, um, is Duma Psychology Collective. Duma Psychology Collective is a licensed behavioral health center. And so we offer the gamut of mental health and behavioral services from individual therapy to family therapy. There are some couples that we see, uh, case, targeted case management, um, community support, you name it, we offer it. We have, we run the full range. I also, under that umbrella, perform psychological evaluations. Okay. And um, I do the psychological evaluations for not just my county now, um, I see people as far as Canal. Um, and that's a part and- of the
0: court system?
1: Yes. Okay, okay. So, most of the times, uh, most of the psychological evaluations that I do are parental fitness, people who have had their children taken away, um, lots of competency to stand trial um, and to continue with um, criminal proceedings. And um, just recently, some criminal competency. Um, evaluations, a couple of folks that are currently in Sharp State Hospital Mm. Um, so that is the function that I perform under that umbrella and we have several clinicians that work for us and case managers. Mm -hmm. Um, We also own the Brain Training Center which is a wellness program and Mm. the Brain Training Center focuses on neurofeedback where we hook people up with EEG leads and we do brain training to decrease suffering from whatever um, illnesses or symptoms that people present with. We also under that umbrella offer yoga. We have a yoga room and studio there and Mm -hmm. um, holistic health classes. We also offer that. Our newest acquisition that our family is majority owner in is a uh, medical device company Mm -hmm. and the, um premier product is um oxygen tanks that are portable that are fda approved and um folks can fly with them they have become particularly relevant in the wake of covid19 and so that company is called oxypam 2 and so that is that's brand new i don't think i knew about that one i know it's it's just <laughs> launched about uh three weeks ago
0: okay awesome that is wonderful um so what it, so it must things must be going well for people who are who are interested in starting a business in west virginia so what has what's the climate been like for you know people starting wanting to start businesses
1: so the climate pre-covid was actually pretty good Mm -hmm. Um, There are, if people have good ideas, there are a lot of things that are not here, that if someone with the the right work ethic, with Mm -hmm. good ideas and with good resources Mm -hmm. can do very well. I will say that COVID has really changed that climate Mm -hmm. um, and has been very, very hard for the small business owner uh particularly here in southern west virginia and we have unfortunately seen several of the businesses in our area close yeah. because, they, because they just could not survive um covid they could not adjust in a way that feels effective and efficient and that is accessible to their target client
0: Mm, interesting so has the um so has the so the i guess they couldn't benefit from the cares act even though that was set up for
1: well yeah the cares act has not trickled down to main street i think that it has been accessible for much larger companies but you Mm. know statistics show that small businesses are truly the backbone Of West Virginia. Absolutely. Um, And even more so here in Southern West Virginia, Mm -hmm. you know, even further South, um, it's it's, it's even more critical. And so what we see is that a lot of businesses, for one reason or another, did not benefit from the CARE Act. Either they applied the first time around, and we all know that the first time around, all of that money got sucked up by the Lord yeah, in, in like in like days from yeah in, yeah in days time yeah. and so what the challenge is and, and we've discussed this a lot um, in the Raleigh County Chamber of Commerce um, talked about it um, you know in Rota we, we we're having this discussion here mm-hmm. because we're hearing businesses say that they aren't even able to qualify Because even though the CARE Act is out there, you still have to go to your banking, uh, your place of banking. They still have to approve you. They still have to be willing to, you know, to, to write this grant for you. And most people are being turned away, and they're told that they don't qualify. So as a result, we are seeing a lot of people have to close their doors, and most of the business around businesses around here. I would dare say have from zero to four employees. So that is a very, that is a significantly different stance and place to be uh, when you're walking into a bank and hi, there are four of us and we're here for the care act money. Most of them are being turned away because they just don't have um, the collateral for banks to even, even consider
0: them that that, that's so unfortunate that's so unfortunate so um the fact that you are still in business and you are starting new businesses it means that what that your sectors um the business sectors you're in have not been negatively affected by by the pandemic would you say that's correct or you know what's been the impact of the pandemic on your businesses
1: so the COVID has had an impact on our businesses, uh, but we have been very savvy and we've been yeah. prayerful mm-hmm. <laughs> and we have continued to find ourselves in a place of gratitude because there's a lot of things that, you know, we could complain about or feel anxiety about, but we've chosen not to take that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, the brain training center are completely shut down mm. because that was, you know, it's all person-to-person contact. Uh, and there's no way for us to adjust those services uh, to where they're not face to face. And unfortunately, that was the side of the house that was making all the money. Because a lot of our uh, clients that would come in for neurofeedback and brain training were private pay clients. Mm-hmm. And so with private pay, that was immediate. Um, the, it, we didn't have to wait Ash for- Cash flow
0: was much better, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh
1: yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, people were willing because it works mm-hmm. and because they were seeing such great results from our service, people were willing to buy packages. Wow. So that's a lot of upfront money that we mm-hmm. are able to work with and, um, and not have to wait for any type of insurance reimbursement. Wow. So we were doing very well on that side of the house um, mm-hmm. and we had to close that down completely. So that did financially impact us, um, but we were also able to fortify the other side of the house, which is the Duma Psychology Collective side. So we were able to, and that's where all of the therapy and all the behavioral services are happening. We were able to switch to an online platform. I was
0: gonna ask about telemedicine, yes. yes.
1: We, we started doing telehealth mm-hmm. and we um, worked with our clients, worked with caregivers, to be able to switch them over mm-hmm. um, of course there are a lot of people that were hesitant about that but really talking to them and working with them to understand mm-hmm. why this is necessary um why it is still going to be beneficial for them to participate or for their children to participate and so we took the time during covid to completely revamp our system awesome. so we, we went completely online with everything including our progress notes uh purchasing a system that will offer telehealth within the system Mm -hmm. um, finding a billing system a scheduling system that was all in one those are things that were totally separate before covid because we just had that type of flexibility Mm -hmm. but when we didn't we went to an all-inclusive online platform which has really streamlined lot of our processes so even though it felt like a bit of an irritant to have to change everything that we knew Mm -hmm. again like I said we embraced the change and Mm. grateful for the fact that we had some funds in reserve that we could put that money out to completely change our um, online platform so while other businesses were having to close we were gaining steam because we were still accessible we -hmm. were still able to offer a service even though it looked different than what they knew from before Mm -hmm. we were still able to offer it and we also took the time during covid to rebrand ourselves Mm -hmm. so okay we can't see you all in person uh we can't run some of the groups that we normally would do we can't do brain training uh we can't do yoga So we'll meet you where you are. We started doing webinars. We Mm -hmm. started donating. We started becoming part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, We started making masks and donating them. Mm -hmm. Uh, We revved up our social media presence. Mm -hmm. We developed hashtags. Now that people, when they see us, they know, Oh, you're hashtag healing our community. You're hashtag live well. Mm -hmm. And people were able to make um, that recognition. And so we, t- we took advantage of this time. It certainly mm-hmm. impacted us, but in very positive ways as well. And we took it's the almost time- like
0: a blessing in disguise in some ways. Really uh-huh.
1: It really was. It really was. So we took the time to rebrand ourselves and to streamline some processes that um, probably in the wrong- long run are going to actually save us money.
0: Yeah, just, just being able to in- integrate everything, that seems yeah. like that would be just much yes. more
1: efficient. It is yeah. definitely. Yeah.
0: Um so what do businesses like yours in in the mental health space mainly what do those businesses need to thrive?
1: You know the number one thing I would say that people need to thrive is startup money. Access to capital, yeah. Access to capital mm-hmm. in the beginning is just huge. And I think that, you know, people have great ideas and they just really don't realize how much that's going right. to take right. and running. Um, you know, f- small things that we take for granted, um, you know, having a face, having a Facebook page is one thing, but having a, a website and if you want a good one, it's going to cost $10,000 for, you know, for a decent website. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that is something that people absolutely need is, is that access to, um, capital, particularly in the very early stages. And sometimes that's hard depending on what you need. If you need a brick and mortar, if you need, you know, office space, um, any of the, the tools and, and, um, copy machines and, you know, yeah computers and startup
0: startup equipment and supplies all
1: of that is it's a lot um i think the other thing that that we really need to thrive we were fortunate enough to be clients of the hive small incubation um program at wvu tech Mm -hmm. and they worked with us and one of the things that they assisted us with that was just invaluable was um, access to PR and marketing. And we u- we utilized Starry Eyes Media, and one of the things that they did for us was, you know, the, the whole SWOT analysis and understanding, helping us to understand our client, our target client, mm-hmm. what that looks like, understanding the demographics around that target client, mm-hmm. um, and giving us all of that data and information, letting us know, You know, how our target client, once they helped us narrow that, Mm -hmm. how are they accessing their information? Who are they listening to? Who's Mm going to make their referrals to you? I mean, understanding how intricate PR and marketing actually is, it's not just, you know, slapping a post on social media. That's just, that's not it. Um, And so having... You'll need that. You'll need to really understand your target, um, your target client. And I think above all, you need business mentors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Having, having business mentors, people who are willing to assist you in navigating the nuances of being an entrepreneur, particularly in this part of the state is absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't stress that enough that we've, we've had some great, um, mentors, particularly with the medical device company who, you know, who work for major hospitals or they or they work for companies who own hospital, mm-hmm. um, who were willing to mentor my husband and, you know, the business partners and, so I think those are the things that people really, really need to thrive. I think most folks would say lots of capital, but I would say you can have a lot of capital and not have the pertinent information and the mentorship. Not know how to use it wisely, yeah, and and still not be successful. So I think those things are really important.
0: And I don't know how accessible venture capitalists are in in um, in our state. And and I guess does that vary by business sector or
1: I would say it, yeah. it varies by business sector. Mm-hmm. Um I have seen some people do very well and I've seen others not so much. So I would I would say it, it definitely varies. Okay, okay.
0: Um so when you know y- you've also mentioned that um you, you've gone to, uh, you've incorporated uh, telehealth as a, as a platform to uh, provide your services. Um, what other changes do you see, um, do, you, do you envision occurring within the mental health care system, given what has happened with, pand- with the pandemic?
1: So the New York Times and also MedMD, there have been several um, outlets that have posted very recently mm-hmm. articles about mental health. And they are projecting that mental health is the new pandemic. Wow. That, that we are truly going to see a rise in mental health symptoms and problems as a result. In fact, one of my clinicians today sent me a clip of a news um, report that was done in Charleston uh, of psychologists who were saying that they are already seeing a rise in referrals for mental health services for children. Uh And so what I believe that we are in a time that people are having a hard time mediating their own affect, that their levels of anxiety are to the point that it is causing a functional impairment. And so COVID has brought about some, um, some changes in terms of um, restrictions on telehealth. Telehealth was something that was not widely accepted in the land, let alone was it covered by a lot of insurance. Mm-hmm. And so those We're starting to see those shifts now, um, Medicaid and even other MCOs and and private insurances are now covering telehealth Mm -hmm. and uh, people are able to more readily access it. Um, There's even been some loosening in terms of, you know, being able to see someone who may be living outside of your area. There were some very, very, very rigid restrictions on that. And those have also loosened. Um, and so I think that we are going to continue to see that. Mm-hmm. I think the longer that COVID stays around, and I don't think it's going to disappear, contrary to... It's not going to just disappear. No, you know. it's, there's no poof. It's not, it's not disappearing. <laughs> um, and because I think that it's going to be around, I think you're going to continue to see some shifts. Uh, what I will say is that funding cut, cuts to mental health has to stop. I know. That's that's, that, that's usually the first place that we like to chip chop away um, at things. And that that just has to stop. Um, and I, we are also starting to see some impact in terms of availability. Mental health professionals are just as nervous about doing work as anybody else. Exactly. And so we are starting to see now a lot of jobs that are going unfilled because mental health professionals who work for purely community-based programs don't want to go into homes. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. safety issue, you know, even, even more so than it was when there was no COVID. It, there's still, you know, safety concerns when you go to deliver services in someone's home, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that you have to be mindful of but now even more so with the threat of COVID. So we are starting to see um, lack of availability of qualified mental health professionals that are willing to work in this era of COVID. And so I do think we will start to see, continue to see those trends. And uh, we will start to see switching over to more, online services and, and more telehealth delivery.
0: Yes, definitely. So it seemed like the the demand is going to be greater and, you know, just getting it through uh, telehealth will be the way to go. As a matter of fact, I was in a recently in a meeting with the mayor of Charleston mayor Goodwin, and she mentioned that a lot of the calls they've been receiving are for our mental health related. So I, I believe she recently hired a new, um, created a new a new mental health position at the city of Charleston. So yes. I think what you're saying is, it's, it's happening all over the, the state and definitely all over the country, it appears. Yes. So let's think about, you know, we're all dealing with, sometimes I think we're all gonna be traumatized, you know, after all this is over. So what are some coping, put on your mental health professional hat, what are some coping strategies? Just give maybe about three three things that we could do um, as we try to live through uh, this pandemic.
1: I would say number one is allow yourself to feel what's going on. Mm -hmm. Be honest with yourself, allow yourself to feel, whether it's grief, whether it's loss, um, whether it's anxiousness, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. allow yourself to feel that. We're all grieving. We're Mm -hmm. all grieving the loss of the familiar and we're, we're grieving that loss of the routine and it's, it's hard and it's anxiety provoking when you can't make plans, Mm. when you can't anticipate what's going to happen from week to week. Mm. Right now, the big um, pressure point is whether our kids are going back to school or not. That's, that's very anxiety provoking for people who, work full-time jobs outside of the home if they don't go back to school. It's anxiety-provoking if they do go back to school and you're concerned about COVID. So allow yourself to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. Um, Tell yourself that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be anxious. And it's okay to feel like you lost something because all of us have. Um, So... That would be number one. Just allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, one of the things that I have to remind myself, and and we do with our clients, is find yourself grounded in the present. Mm-hmm. It is it is very easy to become um, stuck on what's going to happen in two weeks, and then those two weeks go by, and you've spent those whole two weeks anxious About that, too weak, and you still don't know what's gonna happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Find yourself grounded in the present and remind yourself that right here, right now, I'm okay. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
1: In this moment, I am okay. Mm -hmm. And so, when you take time during the day when you start to feel anxious or you you start to feel sad, ground yourself in the moment and and just remind yourself Mm -hmm. right now, in this moment, I'm okay. right um the other thing and i I talk about gratitude a lot because Mm -hmm. i think that it's very easy for us to count all of the things that are not going well um it's it's easy for us to count all the things that we've had to give up but there are so many things that we can be grateful for Mm -hmm. in this moment um shutting down the money-making side of my business was certainly disappointing but i was grateful that i still had resources yeah. i was grateful that i was still motivated enough to keep working on my business mm-hmm. i was grateful that i was able to still pay everyone mm-hmm. everyone who worked for me during COVID. even my admin whose job was to sit in the office and she couldn't physically be there still got paid and, and i was grateful that's that. awesome Mm-hmm. So it, it's finding ourselves in a place of gratitude. And I know you said three, but the last thing I would say okay. is <laughs> control what you can. Mm-hmm. Control the things that you can control. Mm-hmm. And that will give you some solace. Wear your mask. Socially yeah. distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we're really physically distancing and not socially distancing. Exactly. But, exactly. You know, physically distance yourself. Um, and just control the things that you can, you can't Mm -hmm. control, you know, these folks that are anti-maskers, but you can control wearing your mask. You can control how close they get to you. You Mm -hmm. control what places you go to Mm -hmm. and where you don't. Um, so I would, I would just tell people control the things that you can and the other things that you can't let it go. Let it go.
0: (laughs) Just let it go. Let it go. So I'm all on you know, and we're we're wrapping up the interview now. The time has certainly zoomed by. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started and started your entrepreneurship endeavors?
1: Um I think I wish I knew my worth Mm-hmm. from the beginning,
0: yeah
1: I wish I knew that it was okay to charge people what I was worth mm-hmm. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of time doing free services. I did spend a lot of time doing pro bono work because I was afraid to tell people um, that's going to be a thousand dollars for that evaluation. Right. right. Um, I was afraid to say that's going to be $150 an hour. Mm-hmm. That's going to be, for that brain training session. Um, And I I wish that I had known then that I was worth it. I mean, certainly it's only been two years, and I'm not worth any more now than I was two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Really, I think that's the hardest thing, starting a business, is really knowing your worth. Your right. And and firmly demanding that, that that's what you get, um, mm-hmm. and I think that you do that when you're first starting out. You're trying to build clientele. Mm-hmm. You're trying to get people in the door. Yeah, oh yeah, well just come on. I'll just I'll just don't worry about it. And it's so hard to have that money discussion. Mm-hmm. It's it's I don't know why that's so hard to. And I've spoken before uh, when I went back to the Hive as a presenter um, to speak to an incoming cohort. And everybody agreed. they were like I- i'm just not ready to tell people how much i charge and 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 receive their payment and you know talk to me now after being my first thing is how are you gonna pay for this what what are we doing here mm-hmm. uh, but that was i would have never been able to do that when i first started so i wish i had known then that i was already worth it i was already worth it
0: mm-hmm. awesome 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 so what gives you hope what gives you hope?
1: You know, one of the things that um, I think gives me hope is looking at this new generation. There, there were some that I thought was lost and they have given me um, a newfound hope in the fact that, that my son is going to be able to thrive and to, to flourish. They give me hope because they are not being raised by people who are telling them they have to have an eight to five. Mm-hmm. They, they're being, they're being raised by newer generations oh. um, who are able to think outside of the box, uh, find different ways to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was told, Oh, just be a teacher. That that's, you know, teacher and not- or
0: nurse, you know, teacher, nurse, doctor, yes,
1: there's <laughs> nothing wrong with those professions. Yeah. They're, they're honorable. But they weren't me. Mm-hmm. But because my parents, those those were the professions that my parents esteemed, exactly. they didn't see that there were other ways to make money. They they had no concept of that. And so mm-hmm. when I talk to my son and, and he says, Oh, I'm gonna be um a YouTuber, you know, I have to <laughs> censor myself and not say, No, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be it. so I try not to do that, and I'm I'm grateful that he's now, even thinking about YouTuber because he was going to be a WWE wrestler, um, <laughs> you know, prior to this, and that conversation just did not didn't go well. Um, it it went better than I'm going to be a superhero, but still. Um, <laughs> so we're making some progress into something that is actually That's you know good. really That's could great. make money, but they do give me hope that mm-hmm. people are willing to accept. Other ways of being free, um, mm-hmm. and your career should be a pathway to freedom, um, mm-hmm. and freedom being the ability to do what you really want to do. One the that ways that, that sets your soul on fire, right? On fire, yeah. Um, yeah. And 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 puts you in that place. And mm-hmm. so um, they give me hope because. They have the thinking and the mentality that I should have had long ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Oh, Dumas. Of course. Thank you for having this me. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. And I wish you all the best as you continue to make us proud as a, an entrepreneur in Southern West by God, Virginia. West by God. <laughs>
1: okay, take care. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you to Beckley, West Virginia-based business owner, Dr. Christy Dumas. It was a pleasure learning about your entrepreneurial pursuits. I know you will inspire those who listen to this podcast. This has been another episode of Fostering Solutions. I am Dr. Michelle Foster. Until next time, be blessed.